Hebrews, and Melissa is bringing up part two of our of the book of Hebrews, and she's run a little bit of this by me, and oh my goodness, I cannot wait to hear this. Give her a big round of applause. Thank you so much, Jacob. How is everybody this morning? It's so good to be in God's house, isn't it? Every Sunday is a good Sunday to be in God's house. And I just want to welcome Laura. Laura is one of our, uh, one, not one of our, she is a staff member down at Teen Challenge, which is one of our missions that we support. And she's up on holidays and we say you're doing a fantastic job and thank you and keep going. So welcome to Laura. Fantastic. God's presence, hey? A lot of things happening this morning. Prayer is powerful. And uh, there is always hope, hey? Awesome. So Adele preached an incredible message last week and, um, and, she, and we kicked off with the Hebrew series. So we're doing the Hebrew series. It's a four-week series. Uh, and last week we got an overview of Hebrews and uh, Adele beautifully unpacked the first four chapters for us. And what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about this thing called hope. Is that okay? Yeah. This thing called hope. And uh, some of you may know my story, but I'm going to share a little bit with you this morning. Is that okay? I hope you're still talking to me after I share this, so praise God. But I had an awesome childhood growing up. Uh, My dad owned his own business. Uh, He was the president of a local soccer club. Um, uh, We had a good bunch of friends. We lived in a nice house. I went to a, a private Catholic school. But around the age of 12, 13, just as I was starting high school, a really vulnerable age, Uh, my parents went through a separation and later a divorce. And so this, for me, just really turned my little world upside down. You know, when you're that age, you kind of, things are stable, everything's cool, um, pretty, you know, you've, you've got stability in your life and then something like that happens and it basically turned my life upside down. And, um, and I really uh, struggled to work through my feelings, basically. You know, it's hard to separate yourself from adult problems when you're that age. And so um, I was also the type of kid that bottled everything up inside. And um, even though people reached out to me, I chose instead to push them away, put up my walls, and I began to rebel. And so I started dating this guy um, in high school and uh, he also had some problems at home and so we began to experiment with drugs and alcohol. And so um, this continued to escalate through my teenage years. Um, You know, you'd kind of, what you're doing really is when when you're feeling how you're feeling and you're feeling horrible inside and you start to try these things, you're just trying to trying to buy good feelings. You're trying to get a good feeling because you're not dealing with the stuff that's inside. And so eventually, young people, if you're listening, you know, eventually you've got to keep having more and more and more to keep trying to chase that good feeling. And so this escalated through my teenage years. And so by the age of 21, I had a serious drug addiction. Uh, I'd been charged for assault on a police officer. I'd been picked up twice for driving under the influence. I was abusive. I was violent. I was selfish. uh, And my life was a complete mess as you can imagine imagine and so I was broken inside mostly though you know and obviously I started off with that one issue that I didn't deal with and you just keep piling on issue plus issue plus issue on top of that and so you know the saying wherever you go there you are you know you can't get away from yourself can you that's why it's so important to just stop and deal with your stuff it ain't going anywhere and you can stuff it down as, as further as you can, but it's still inside you. And so it's so important that we deal with our stuff. And so basically over the next few years, my life was spiralling out of control very, very fast. And, um, you know, when you start doing these things as well, you think you're in control. 
You know, you think it's just a little bit of this or just a little bit of that and you're in control. But eventually there's a transition and you don't know when that transition takes place and then it has control over you and you want to get out of it, but now you can't. And I remember crying out to God one night. I was laying in bed, even though I said I didn't believe in God. You know, I know I went to a Catholic school, but I didn't understand that you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And yes, I got baptised, and yes, I got Holy Communioned, and yes, I got confirmed and, and did all those things and went to the priest and confessed my sins. But I didn't understand that you could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I said, I don't want to know about this God. I don't believe in this God. But I remember one night I was so broken just crying out to him. And I, and I remember this warm feeling coming over me. And, and, and I didn't know what it was at the time. Now I look back and I know that was God. I know it was the presence of God. I know that he was wrapping me up in his loving arms. But back then I wasn't sure what it was. But I remember thinking... And I felt like what was being said to me was that everything was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay. And you know, Christ died while we're still sinners. And we have to remember that as Christians. Sometimes when we become believers and we become Christians, we think we have to live this perfect life. And we set ourselves standards and expectations and that we have to live up to these standards and expectations. And we forget that Christ died for us while we're in our mess. He died for us while we were still sinners and he loves me then in that mess as much as he loves me right now. There's no difference in his love and that is good news this morning. And so his mercy is great. His grace is great. And so um, by this stage, as you can imagine, my parents were desperately trying to help me. And so my mum cut out a newspaper article and it was about um, a story about this girl who had been to uh, Adult and Teen Challenge and she'd turned her life around. And so mum cut this article out and she stuck it on her fridge. And uh, I wasn't allowed at her house while I was on drugs or I wasn't allowed to live at her house uh, while I was using drugs. But when I did visit, she would take the article off the fridge and say, here, you need to go to this place, read this story. And um, I was like, no, I don't. (laughs) I don't need to go to this place. I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself. I don't want to go to a place where there's a bunch of drug addicts. I mean, can you, the thinking doesn't even make sense. I was one of them. But I said, no, I can do it by myself. And so I went to the doctor and I said to the doctor, look, I, I'm, I'm addicted to drugs and I want to stop now um, and I want to get off drugs. And so he looked at me and he said, he said, one of two things will happen. He said, you'll either grow up or you will die. And then he proceeded to prescribe me four bottles of pills and sent me on my way. And it wasn't long before I realised that there was no way that I could do it by myself. It felt like I was in this big black hole and and I just couldn't get out of it. And I felt like I was suffocating. And so I felt so hopeless that I tried to take my own life. And um, luckily enough, somebody was at my flat where I was at, called an ambulance, went to uh, the hospital, stomach was pumped, you see a psych doctor, discharged myself against medical advice and then continued on in my hopeless lifestyle of drug addiction. 
And so it wasn't long before tragedy struck. And so I'd found out that um, this girl, a close friend of mine, we, it was, we used to live in the same street. You know those friends? You live in the same street, you go to the same school, you do all that really cool stuff together. And I found out that she had been murdered. So she'd been shot dead by her drug addict boyfriend and then he shot himself. And for me, this was my wake-up call. And it's so sad that you have to have something so, such a tragedy to be uh, your wake-up call. But this really was my wake-up call. And something inside of me kind of rose up and, I, and my life flashed before me. And I thought, I'm either going to end up at Bandy up Women's Prison or I, I am going to be heading towards death. And so something rose up inside of me. Before, I didn't care if I lived or died. But now, I was like, no, I want to live. I want to live and so I rang my mum and I said look I'll go to this place called adult and teen challenge there might have been a couple of other words in there but I'll go to this place I surrender I will go to this place and I remember arriving there at 24 years of age broken suicidal life a mess uh, just um, just completely broken and six days later I remember giving my heart to Jesus Christ best decision I ever made and this and I know it's cliche but just this weight lifted off my shoulders and this joy and this peace came inside like I'd never experienced before and I was back where I belonged in the arms of my heavenly father where we all belong in our arms of our heavenly father you know when we're born we're separated uh, we're born separated from God and then Jesus makes a way so that we can come back into the arms of our Heavenly Father. And I came home that day. And um, I remember the detox, though, just being so incredibly hard. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through. Um, I couldn't sleep. My mental health was, was affected. Um, the, the poisons began to come out of my body. And, uh, and, and it wasn't just the physical detox that was tormenting me either. You begin to think about, you know, when you stop doing that stuff and, and, and you start to get some of your brain back, you begin to think about all the people that you've hurt, the loved ones that you've affected, the destruction and just all the pain that you've caused and, and left back. Um, and for me, it was left back in Perth. I was okay. I was with amazing people in this awesome place, you know, surrounded by people saying, you can do it, God loves you. But my, my family were left with my trail of destruction, picking up, their pe picking up the pieces back in Perth. And so you begin to think about these things. So you're physically detoxing and, and, and you're mentally starting to process all of this. And I remember speaking with my mentor one day and I remember just saying to her, look, I just don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can actually get off drugs. Uh, these thoughts are tormenting me and I'm not sure I'm going to make it through. And I remember my mentor looking straight at me and she said to me, she said, there is always hope. There is always hope. And, and, I, and I remember thinking, can I actually believe what she is saying? Could I dare to believe that there is actually hope for my situation? You know, we all go through things and seasons in our lives where we think, is there really hope for my situation? Is there hope for what we are believing for? Is there hope for our families? Is there hope for our relationships? Is there hope for our workplace? You may be going through something right now and asking yourself the question, is there really hope for this circumstance, 
for this situation, for this person, for this loved one? Is there really hope? And we all get to that place at some time or another, don't we? Life happens. People have free will. Uh, We don't have control over certain things. Is there really hope for my situation? And we're confronted with these questions. And you know, the book of Hebrews was written to the Jews who were evaluating and assessing who Jesus was. Some were struggling to accept him and his message and others were struggling with their newfound faith. And as they faced persecution and as they faced imprisonment and as they faced challenging circumstances, they too weren't sure what to believe. They didn't know what to believe. They weren't sure if they could dare to let go of their old beliefs. They were struggling with that, just like I was, just like some of you may be sitting in here this morning struggling, should I dare to believe? And these Christian Jews were like, "Can, can I put my complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Could they dare to believe that Jesus is really the ultimate king and priest? Could they really let go of the old and reach out for the new? How many times are we challenged to let go of the old and reach out for the new? Could they do away with their traditions and their old ways of thinking? Could I really dare to believe that there was hope for my drug addiction? Could I dare to believe that? Could there really be hope? Is Jesus really superior to any situation, to any circumstance, to any person? Is he really superior to what the doctors say, to what the medical reports say, to what people say? Is he superior to that? Would I dare to hope? Could we dare to hope? Could we really dare to step out and believe for the impossible? If you're facing an impossible situation this morning, you can't see how it's going to happen in the natural happens to me all the time or am I just preaching to myself here could we dare to step out and believe for the impossible you know the name Hebrews means those who have crossed over I love that those who have crossed over and Hebrews is written for every believer today believers that are crossed over from darkness to light If you're a believer in this room, you've crossed over from darkness to light. And if you're not a believer, if you've not given your heart to Jesus Christ, then I'd encourage you to, because darkness is not a cool place to be. You don't have to have dipped as dark as I did in my sin, but darkness is still darkness, right? Believers that have crossed over from darkness to life, believers that have crossed over from doubt to faith, from doubt to to faith, believers that have let go of the old world system, the world system, and operate according to God's kingdom, operating according to God's kingdom. You know, the Old Testament points towards Jesus Christ, and in Hebrews we find Jesus. The theme of Hebrews is Jesus. I love preaching on Jesus. There's nothing better to preach on. And we read in the book of Hebrews, we learn that Jesus is greater and superior to all. He is superior to the law. He is superior to the angels. He's superior to the high priest. He's superior to Moses. Yes, Moses. Jesus is superior to Moses. He is the better hope. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18 to 19, it says this, The former regulation is set aside because it is weak and useless. It is weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced, that better hope is Jesus, by which we draw near 
to God. The better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And because Jesus shed his blood on the cross and died once and for all, we can draw near to God. That's good news this morning. Back into the arms of our Heavenly Father. Back where we belong, in the arms of our Heavenly Father, where we were created to be, in relationship with Abba, Daddy, God. You know, I when after I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, I got so angry. I was like, all these years I've been searching for something and I didn't know what it was in all the wrong places and the answer was Jesus. Why did not anybody tell me before? Maybe they tried and I wasn't listening. I don't know. The answer is Jesus. How can you go to a Catholic school and learn all about God and do all that stuff and not know you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? We need to be bringing the good news to people. There's people in your world right now, people you go to work with, people you sit with, people, family, friends that are looking for something. They're searching and we have the answer and the answer is Jesus. He is the better hope. You know the word over our church at the start of the year? (laughs) Does anyone remember it? What is it, Karen? Come on. Unrestrained boldness was the word over our church at the start of the year. If you remember, (laughs) pre-COVID, we're in the building. We didn't know what was about to happen, did we? (laughs) Unrestrained boldness and then COVID hits. We're like, cowering in the corner. I had to pastor myself through it so I could pastor everybody else, praise God. Um, Unrestrained boldness. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16 says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Don't you love that scripture? You know, we don't have to say 10 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers to approach the throne of our gracious God. We don't have to have performed perfectly and made no mistakes this week to approach the throne of our gracious God. We don't have to have served three weeks out of four to approach the throne of our gracious God. We don't have to have tithed and given to the poor to approach the throne of our gracious God. We don't have to have memorized scripture and got all your sticky notes on your dresser, boys do you do that, (laughs) to approach the throne of our gracious God. Some of these things are good. You should do them. They'll help you live a good life. But the one and only way that we approach the gracious throne of God is through the one and only, his son, Jesus Christ, who has entered heaven, who has gone before us and sits at the right hand of our heavenly father. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He is the only way. He is the ultimate king and high priest in him and him alone. And it is there at the throne in the Holy of Holies, in that place that we find grace during our most difficult 
circumstance. It's in that place. It's in that place where we find grace to help us where we need it the most. It's there that we find love. Who's looking for love? You can find it right there in the throne of our gracious God. It's there that we find mercy. It's there that we find strength. It's there that we find comfort for our every need. You know, we uh, read that Jesus has been tested with everything that we have faced. Every situation and circumstance, everything we are going through, he has faced already. We just read that. When he went into the desert and he hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, some of us struggle with a three-day fast, 40 days and 40 nights. He was challenged in every ounce of his flesh. I would have spat the dummy already. (laughs) I'm out of here. He was challenged in every ounce of his flesh when the devil tempted him. He targeted every single area of temptation. The devil targeted every single area of temptation and struggle. And we have to understand that, yes, he was God, but when he came to earth, he gave that up and he became 100% man. So it was in the flesh that he faced these temptations. It was in the flesh that he faced these struggles. He was tempted in every single way, but he understands what you were going through. He's your comforter. He can empathise with your weaknesses. He gets it, and it's there that we find hope. Don't you love that word? Hope. Jesus is our hope. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 to 20 says this, So it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. Don't you love that? You know, sometimes people are a little bit fickle, aren't they? It's like, but God, no. Rock solid. Rock solid, down to the nth degree. Uh, And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness, and this is where we find his strength and comfort for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. How awesome is that? An unshakable hope, an unshakable hope, strong, unbreakable, an anchor holding us to God himself. (laughs) That's awesome. No matter what we go through, we can find strength and comfort in Jesus Christ. He's with you. He's near you. You know, the last month or so has been uh, so incredibly uh, a busy time for me and and it seems like it has uh, for a number of people that I've spoken to. And so aside from preparing for the name change and and being knee-deep in policies and procedures uh, and uh, and assignments due for Bible college, God has asked me to do a number of things that I don't normally do. And these things have stretched me and, and they've called me out of my comfort zone. But as I've leaned into Jesus Christ, I've found his comfort and his strength. And I know that Jesus goes before me. 
He goes before us. I love this scripture in Isaiah and personalize it for yourself because that's what I do. It says this, this is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Pat, Stuart, Ash, I will go before you and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so that you know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. Don't you love that scripture? Jesus fights on your behalf. He prepares the way for you. Now, I watch action movies because Jacob makes me. I have to sit there and watch action movies. And when I read this scripture, I think about that action guy. And for me, Jake's like, you're so old because I think Mel Gibson or whoever you, the main character. You've got the main character and you've got all the guys behind you. But Mel Gibson goes first, right? Or Thor or whatever it is that you watch. And then the men are behind him. That's like us with Jesus. Jesus goes first and it says he's smashing down gates of bronze and cutting through bars of iron for you. He's preparing the way. He has prepared the way. The victory has already been won. And we just get in his slipstream as our hero kind of, can you picture it? Can you picture it? Think about those action movies and we're behind him. As he goes first, he is our forerunner. And then it says he gives us treasures hidden in darkness, secret riches. You come out better. You come out stronger. You come out carrying something that you didn't carry before. God strengthens your capacity. You come out with some good stuff as you go into these places. You know, David came out of the fight with Goliath, with Goliath's sword. That's pretty cool. Aside from increasing capacity, confidence, faith in God, he got brought into the royal family. We come out of these places bigger and better and stronger. But we have to go through. But that's okay because Jesus has gone through first. He is our hope. He is the ultimate king and priest. This is where we find our hope. There's always hope in Jesus. Jesus carried his cross to Calvary and he died a horrific death. And then he shed his blood. But then what came next? Resurrection. That's what came next was resurrection. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 to 12. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Is that what it says? Yep. The accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. That's the devil accusing you day and night. Tell him to get lost. Stomp on his head. Kick him where it hurts. You need to be serious with him. You need to be really serious. He'll take you out. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. He shed his blood. And by the word of their testimony. I shared my story with you this morning. A little bit of it. Just break it slowly in there. (laughs) That's pretty much it. There's nothing else. But we've got to be sharing our testimony. He shed his blood. We've got to share with others what God's done in our lives. What has he done in your life? And they did not love their lives so much that they weren't afraid to die. 
not afraid to die. Esther, what did she say? If I perish, I perish. She saved her entire Jewish race because she stepped out and she made a call that day. So integral. The, the, the Hebrew midwives, when the king of Egypt was like, the Israelites were getting too numerous and he was like, um, he said to the Hebrew midwives, he said, let, uh, kill every boy that's born but let the girls live. And, and they didn't do that because they feared their God. They defied the king of Egypt and let the little boys live. If I perish, I perish. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Eternity. He goes before us. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you're in a place where you're beginning to lose hope for a certain situation, a circumstance, you're losing hope for a certain person, you're dealing with an addiction, your marriage is struggling, you want a family member desperately to be saved, I want my brother desperately to be saved and free from drug addiction. That's what I want. Can it happen? Yeah, it can. Do I lose hope? No, I don't. You may be struggling with bills you can't pay. You might be struggling with your finances or a work situation that's causing you stress and anxiety. And you're getting tired of waiting for answers to prayer waiting for deliverance, waiting for breakthrough. Does anybody get tired waiting? And you're beginning to lose your strength and your passion and your determination and and whatever else is there, your peace and your patience. And you aren't seeing the results you want to see. I want to encourage you this morning to keep going, to never give up, to continue to persevere because Jesus is your living hope. Jesus is your living hope. And hope means to have a confident expectation, to expect that God will move on your behalf. Don't worry about them, keep looking at me. To expect that God will move on your behalf, to expect that he has a plan and a purpose for your life, to expect that he wants to pour out favour upon you, to expect that he will heal you, to have a confident expectation, to expect that he is your vindicator, to expect that he wants you and your whole household to be saved. You and your whole household. So many times in the Bible, a person gets saved, but it's not just that person, it's the whole household. And we can continue to believe for these things because it's God's will. God doesn't want anybody to perish. No way. To expect that he will hear your cries. He will hear them to expect that He will comfort you, to expect that He goes before you, to expect that He will strengthen you. Psalm 31, 24 says, Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 25, 21 says, May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Psalm 37, 9 says, For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. You know, we're going to inherit some land one day as a church. We believing? Have we got hope? That's what's going to happen in Jesus' name. Psalm 71, 14, As for me, I will always have hope and I will praise you more and more. I will praise you more and more. You know, praise is so integral to lift up his mighty name despite how you're feeling, despite the circumstances. 
Don't have a little pity party. I mean, have a cry if you want and a little meltdown, but then pick yourself back up and praise your God. Praise Him with everything you've got because He is worthy. Hope is the anchor for your soul, unbreakable, strong, holding us to God Himself. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And even youths grow tired and weary. That's nice for us older people. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What an awesome piece of scripture. You can put your hope in that piece of scripture. Jesus hears you. He sees you. He has not disregarded your cause. Your ways are not hidden from him. He knows exactly what's happening. He cares. He does. He understands. And he, he can see what you're going through. So when my mentor said to me, there is hope. And I wondered if I dare reach out and grab a hold of this thing called hope. I wondered that. The answer is yes. Yes, I can. When the Jewish Christians in Hebrews were wondering, should they really put aside those old teachings and those old ways and those old beliefs and, and whatever else they needed to put aside and dare to reach out and put their complete hope and trust in Jesus Christ. They're wondering that. Could they dare? The answer is yes. And if you're wondering for yourself this morning, for whatever situation is coming to mind, and if you don't have one, you may have one in six months' time because that's life, right? Could you dare, dare believe to have hope for your situation, for your loved one, for your circumstance, for the issue that you're going through? Could you dare to have hope? And the answer is yes. And his name is Jesus and he is our living hope. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. First of all, just while our heads are bowed, I just want to pray for anybody in this room or listening online, watching online. Uh, and uh, we just want to, I just want to give anybody an opportunity right now to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have not done that, you've never done it before, that's your first step. Be bold, be courageous, say yes. And so if that's anyone in here this morning, if you want to slip your hand up in the air, if, it, if you're watching online, type yes in the comments and we're going to pray all together as a church best decision you'll ever make back in the arms of your heavenly father why would you not want to be there back where you belong so if you can pray after me church God I ask that you forgive my sins wash me clean thank you for dying on a cross for me and today I choose to live for you in Jesus name and all God's people said, Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, please reach out to us and let us know. Um, and if there's anyone in this room where maybe you've been coming to church for a little while and that's the first time you've made a commitment, make sure you tell someone. That's your next step is to actually get it out of your mouth and tell, tell someone so we can help you on the next part of your journey. But if we keep our heads bowed and I'm just going to pray for the rest of us.